Welcome to the Sober Nation FM podcast, where we're putting recovery on the map. I'm your host, Jonathan Sylvester. This show is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Do you want to take your recovery to the next level? Do you want more support, community, and fellowship? Sobriety Engine is an incredible free online community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. You can get a ton of great tips, resources, and guidance to help you succeed in recovery and in life. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. Sober Nation FM is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle all while supporting your sobriety, then you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave a review. Nation, let's hop right into today's episode. Today, I'll be speaking with Courtney Friel, who's a reporter and news anchor for KTLA in Los Angeles, and also the author of Tonight at 10, Kicking Booze and Breaking News. Thanks for coming on the show with me today, Courtney. Thanks so much for having me. Big fan of Sober Nation, and I'm drinking my cocktail here, Love it. which is coffee being coffee, because that is my new vice. Yes, the new vice, caffeine. I got to have it. So your book tonight at 10, Kicking Booze and Breaking News, and I love the book cover, by the way. So it, it's all about your experience with alcohol and drug addiction. So I just want to jump right in. Tell us what was going on before you found your way into recovery. I'd like to mention, though, that the book is not all crazy stories. It has a lot to do with living sober. Love it. But okay. I had a 15-year party career, and from day one, there was no such thing as me having one drink. I still don't understand how people can just have a glass of wine at dinner. I would just want a zillion drinks. I'd be that hot mess that was like throwing up, passing out, crying, getting in a fight, disappearing. And then and that, that was my, that was drinking every single time for me. Okay. And, then, and, and so like, how old were you at when this all started? Do you think, oh, so I took, my first, I took my first drink at 15 years old okay. and I had been like really shy and yeah. I was also really bullied. So for me, when I discovered alcohol, A, it brought me out of my shell and gave me this confidence and made me like this fun, funny person. And then B, it numbed the pain of not being liked by all these like people that were Mm. bullying me. But then when I was 19, I discovered cocaine. And so that was in my using history the the whole time from then on. And when I moved to New York in 2007, things got really progressed with Ambien, Adderall, and Xanax. So I'd like to say those five things are my drug of choice, okay. which is why like, I'm never going to take an Adderall type like speedy thing now, obviously. Sure. I'm never going to take any sort of sleeping pill, like nothing mind-altering. And I, re- I really love being clear-headed right now. Mm, yeah, yeah, okay. So I, I do want to ask, I mean, so, so walk me through this. So, uh, you know, the cocaine comes in, the ambient come in, uh, which, man, that's like an interesting combo, like from one, right? end, one end to the other. I can kind of relate. I mean, my thing was pain pills, like a downer. And I feel like my side dish, if you will, was energy drinks. So go 
right you know well see when i would do cocaine i would get so anxious and i would always think i was having a heart attack so i'd be at parties and i would go to someone's freezer and get like either an ice pack or green peas and i would put it on my chest because i'd be having this heart pain and i'd be like i'm having a heart attack but i need another line so (laughs) then i would need xanax to like balance it out and also Mm. then help me fall asleep but in new york i feel like they the psychiatrists there like you pay them cash and they just will write you a prescription for anything so all of my pills were prescribed and i needed them because i worked the morning shift so i needed the ambient and the sleeping pills to go to sleep but then i used the adderall like oh i have add even though i didn't and that would help me get my story ideas so i was just I was just up and down all the time. And okay. part of why I wrote the book is because like, I didn't plan on getting sober, mm. but I've I have 10 years now, ever since 09, 09, 09. And I just have seen all the perks and it's like so amazing that I had to share the message as well as I came out about it on my social media to my audience when I had six years. And yeah. I can't even believe the reaction. Like I get so many questions. How did you do it? What advice do you have? what was your story so yeah yeah i saw the need for it even though i mean there's lots of addiction books out there sure but that's why i've read so many of them and it seems like most of them the authors rush out of rehab and write a book and mm. they're like here's all the crazy stories that i did yeah. and here's what rehab was like then i got sober the end and you're like well wait are you still sober like mm. what but then and then what yeah well so okay so i want to ask you so and then what so i mean Basically, I mean, it sounds like, and number one, like, let me just say, I think we, hopefully, by now, most of us, especially in recovery, know better that it doesn't really mean anything just because we got this medication through a prescription, right? I mean, right. Uh, there's a lot of people getting, you know, strung out and abusing all kinds of different medications, and they're getting it from a doctor. But I do want to ask. So, I mean, it sounds like at first, besides the thinking you're, you know, dying from a heart attack uh, <laughs> occasionally, it sounds like you enjoyed it at first, right? Like, like we all did. Oh, so, yeah, for sure. So, and where did things? So, where did things start to turn? Do you think? Well, when I in 2005, I got a job hosting the World Poker Tour, and the very first night, I hung out with the crew until 4am and got wasted and passed out in a plate of spaghetti and my dress was falling off and those crew members told (laughs) on me and the the head of world poker tour called my agent and was like do we have a problem here so that was the first time like it really scared me Hmm. and i went on for nine months even though i drank in paris at the two-month mark and didn't tell anyone i that was my first time being on the wagon but like cold turkey and no program or anything. Okay. And so both that night in Paris when I drank secretly and then when I picked up again in the Bahamas, like I was able to see how fast it escalated. Like it just went right back to where everything was and all the drugs and everything came back. Um, so that was like the first uh, realization, like, okay, I have an issue. But then okay. I moved to New York and like everybody was partying and Heath Ledger and DJM died and I was thinking, hmm, that could happen to me because I have like lots of things in my system. I'm not going to wake up one day. Or I was really scared that I was going to get arrested 
for buying blow from some shady dealer and then lose my job. Right. And I saw a video of myself on a train with my bra on my head that I didn't even remember taking. And when my friends sent me that video, I was horrified at what mm. I saw. And the people surrounding me were appalled at what my behavior. And I was thinking, okay, this is probably going to wrap up soon, or I'm going to have to call it a day with this. And two weeks later, after seeing that video, I ended up in Florida and I had seven, my friends couldn't wake me up. So seven people surrounded my bed and gave me an impromptu intervention. And it was wow. what, it was what they said to me and the combination of kind of knowing I was ready for it. Um, that I said, okay, I deserve more for my life. I have more to give this world. And I know doing this will be the best thing that I can do. And I, I just knew in that moment. And then, and then I was like, but I have to have one last drink. Of course. And, and it was the grossest last drink ever. It was raspberry vodka with seven up. Oh yeah. That's yeah. Ugh. No, I just remember thinking like, this is the worst last drink. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's probably, and then good, I went probably to, I went thing. to rehab. I went to rehab for 28 days. I came back and went back to my job at Fox News Channel, which is where I was working at the time. And unfortunately, I lost like 95% of my airtime uh, just for a number of different reasons. And that was extra hard because my, my career and my partying were like my life, my best friends. And yeah. all of a sudden, I had none of them. However, I ended up just focusing more on my recovery because I wasn't working as much. And then, then the life happened. I, at five years, I got divorced. Then yeah. I had to do the, the sober dating thing in LA, which was crazy. And I've had a headache for almost three years and I haven't relapsed with that. And uh, all the crazy stories that I cover that are emotionally challenging for me that makes you, you know, that would make anyone want to drink. Right. So that's all stuff that I wrote about in my book. And then the main thing is that your life is not over when you get sober. Like you can mm. still have fun in sobriety. And I know that a lot of people think they'll never have fun again. So then the last chapter of my book is how to have fun sober. Well, so I, I want to touch on a few of these things here. I mean, I, I think like I, I'm just thinking that I think it's safe to say like all of us live a double life to some degree, right? I mean, because we're, we're trying to hide our addiction. We're trying to protect our addiction. Mm -hmm. And I'm just thinking like you with your job, you are doing this on like an extreme level because the, the other side of you is on national news. Right. So no one, no one thought that it, I, you know, and still to this day, people can't even believe that I ever had had a problem because of how I look, because they associate like, you know, an addict or an alcoholic with like the homeless person on the street, the right. guy that beats his wife that can't pay his bills. And, yep. and that's what I, I thought that too, before I learned about, um, you know, in rehab, you realize, wow, I've, I have more in common with these people. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. but the thing is like, I didn't really think it was a problem because I was partying with so many people at Fox news, like, and in New York, I mean, I've since run into Fox news people that don't work anymore. They're like, I've never partied so much. Like I've never drank so much as when I work, worked there, which is funny because probably America thinks that like, we're all like reading our Bibles or something. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Fox News. <laughs> well, so I want to ask. So, I mean, looking back at 
you, you know, you mentioned this world poker tour thing, and it's funny because like me and my buddies back in the day were, uh, I still have some friends that still play poker and stuff. And, and so we were, you know, watching you, which is funny while we were, you know, doing our thing that we were doing right. then. And, but, um, you know, you mentioned this incident where you ended up in a plate of spaghetti. Maybe there weren't any incidents like that, but, but do you ever look back at like old footage or were there ever any moments where you were on the air and it's like, man, how could people not tell that something was up? So I was a very like dedicated career person. I was work hard, play hard. So okay. I never wanted, I never like went to work and, and drank before, okay. but there were times where I anchored the morning show or did like news cut-ins where I was still drunk from the night before. Yeah. That's kind and, of what I was thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. So I know for sure, like one incident that really I scared myself was I was like partying all night. It was like 2 AM. I'm like, I gotta go to bed because I gotta do my first cut-ins at 6 a.m. So I sleep from 2 to 4 a.m., which with all of the coke and booze that were in my system, I wake up and I'm completely shit-faced yeah. still. Yeah. Yeah. And so I go in and I'm like trying to chug water. The makeup artist is like doing my makeup. I'm sure I reek of alcohol. And I remember like being under the lights, like it was only a two-minute news cut-in at 6 a.m., and I was like, please, God, please, God, don't let me be a YouTube moment. And I got through it, but I know I slurred. And like from that day on, I was like, I will never do this again. Like, I promise. But that was all towards the end. I mean, it, that it, things were progressing pretty quickly. And I decided that I was going to start taking Ambien and then like go out to clubs or and I just didn't care. Like I remember going on a trip to Vegas and I, I don't remember why I was there, maybe for a bachelorette party or something. And okay. like, I just let random people stick ecstasy in my mouth. And like, wow. I yeah. end up like at random people's, I mean, I, it was just some shady stuff at the end. And I was married at the time. So I'm not like proud of, of things. And, um, yeah, life's just so much better. I love like no drama and not like, getting into potentially legal medical trouble <laughs> yeah because yeah. i'd wake up that's why the cover of my book like i would wake up and i'd be like i'd wake up from a blackout and i'd have band-aids on my knees because i would have fallen and someone would have taken care of me and i would have cuts and bruises on me all the time hmm. and i'd have no idea like how i got them yeah how that happened yeah so i think i think with like turning 30 so i got it was, I was 29 when I got sober, went to rehab. And I think I was like, okay, you know, it's not really that cool to be like dancing on the bar, like losing your clothes after 30. Like people start to realize that's what, when I saw the video of how the, I remember thinking at the time, oh, they must think I'm so cool because I'm on TV. Cause you know, you're all like into yourself when mm -hmm. you're using and then when i saw their faces at how appalled they were by my behavior well, you said it was a train I, in paris right no 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 no. paris was the the first time i like relapsed at during my own nine months okay. sobriety that was years before okay but this was at a party coming back from the hamptons to new york and so there were regular people on the liwr <laughs> uh, okay okay yeah, And I had my strapless bra on my head there and my friend was interviewing me as to why I was, I was the Miss, Miss 34B queen and she was interviewing <laughs> me and I was, I was like 
like slurring and snorting yeah. and flopping all over. And I had blueberry pie on my face and oh, my, man. you know, I, it was just a mess. Like I didn't realize like how like, I looked when I was in that state. Well, so, uh, yeah, pr probably not a, not a good look, a little sloppy maybe. Um, yes. but I, I think we've, probably all been there. I mean, man, that's, that's actually pretty amazing that you had footage of that because I know, and actually I'm so grateful that like, I kind of miss the period where all the stuff I was doing oh, yeah. would have been recorded yeah, me and too. posted me too. and super, super grateful for that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? But, um, you know, I, I, I want to jump into the book here. So, I mean, tell me why you, why did you write the book to begin with? Like why, I know you said you'd read a bunch of books and and I appreciate what you're saying and not to put words in your mouth, but I think what you're saying is you were, you were reading a bunch of books and it was kind of like, yeah, you know, I had a problem. I went to rehab. Here's the crazy stuff that happened. And it was more about the, the problem than talking about the solution and living sober, right? Is that kind of what you saw in a lot of those other books that was going on? Yeah. Yeah. And like, I guess it's helpful to somebody who maybe wonders if they have a problem and then they can relate with the crazy stuff that the people did. Yeah. But then also, sense, yeah. like, I, I feel like also if your story doesn't align, you're going to be like, oh, I'm not that bad. Like True. that person was really True. bad. So I just wanted to keep it like 10 chapters. I put all the crazy, I mean, there's crazy stories throughout the whole thing, but primarily like I, the first two are all the antics chapter three was what rehab was about because a lot of people are curious about rehab right chapter four was the first two years of get of sober like getting sober what what that's like how every day feels like groundhog's day and how I coped with that and the work stuff that was happening and then then so at five years I got divorced but so I talk about like how in relationships there's a lot of codependency with with addicts and the dynamic changes once one person gets sober hmm. and then um chapter six is dating sober because that's a whole issue chapter seven was how i learned to meditate which is my number one tool okay can we, talk, can we talk about that real quick yeah okay that was awesome. my favorite chapter to write awesome because so that's actually been one of the things so i started meditating when i got sober and like i immediately connected with it I, I thought it was awesome like I, I saw the benefits of it right away and I had been saying for a long time that I was going to start doing it more regularly and this year I don't like the term resolution so I'm just going to say I set a personal goal yeah, there you go intention love that to to meditate regularly so I've actually been using um, I don't know if you've heard of insight timer um, but it's a free app that has like thousands of meditations and courses and all kinds of cool stuff. Tell me what, like, how did meditation, because I think for a lot of people, it seems like this huge thing. Like it's almost like spirituality, right? Like I have to do it someone else's way. So how did you kind of get into that? And what does it, what does it look like for you most of the time? Well, first of all, I was like, hell no, am I going to pay a babysitter to go sit on the floor and not burn <laughs> calories? I am yeah. way too yeah, ADD for go. that. Like, right, right, right. I was like, no, 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 no. There's way too many things to do in the day. Like, I don't have time for that. Yeah. So once I went to a class at this place and got a membership there and I started going to three classes a week, like I, every single day, I just kept seeing new things that were 
changing in my life. And then I'm a big, like, I mean, I'm a reporter, so I was taking notes and I just started listing all these things as I kept doing it. And then when I, then the first year I had like two or I had three two week periods where like I wasn't getting into meditator, like I just wasn't doing it. And I saw like all these issues like creeping back in. Mm. So it was just so beneficial to me that my body needed it. And so now I'm almost like five years into meditating and I just have to do it. Like if I, if it's meditating or working out, like I have to meditate over working out if I only have time for one, because it keeps me sane. And I only do 20, I do 22 minutes, 22 minutes a day. I might miss, you know, one day a week here and there, but it's just something that keeps me calm. Like you stop worrying. You're just so much more chill. And when I see a situation or when I'm in something like if I have a really bad day at work where yeah. like I covered a mass shooting or just I covered a lot of death stuff that day and it was icky and then I just know I have to come home and meditate like meditation solves every emotion for me if I'm sad if I'm angry if I'm like irritated if I'm emotional or worried like I just meditate and it, it, it's my medicine yeah that that's awesome no I, I feel the same way and so actually you've so we've just touched on one thing, but you just touched on something else that I got into when I got sober that I had never been into, and that's fitness. So, uh, you know, and I think like with the meditation thing, like one of the ways that it was broken down to me is, is that it's a muscle. Like you don't just walk into the gym and deadlift 315 pounds. Like it doesn't just happen. And it's the same thing with meditation. So like even myself, like I've done some what I consider – longer meditations like I hear 22 minutes every day and I'm like damn like that's you know I think for someone that's not doing it regularly or at all like that can seem like a lot intimidating yeah I mean I think like but in my mind like one of my favorite sayings is something is better than nothing like two minutes is great five minutes is great so I think I don't know you like where did you start out like did you start out going to these classes right well yeah and the classes were the classes were like 30 full minutes of meditating. Wow. Okay. And so I would go to three a week and that wow. was, that was helpful. That's awesome. And, and the other thing too, like when you're meditating with other people, I feel like I get drunk. Like even my weather chick at KTLA, like we go in the closet together in between shows <laughs> and we always say like, Oh, wow. You give good Zen because I feel like when you're meditating with someone else, like you can get like better vibes. So that's, that's pretty cool. That's, I mean, that's, that's my recommendation for people who just don't want to do it is go to a class and there's meditation studios popping up all over the place. Well, and, and you were talking about how your trainer came earlier today. You were yes, working out. This is my, I'm in my workout clothes. Yes. Love it. Yeah. Love I mean, it. I just make sure like I have trainer Bob. I just have two, two set days a week where I work out with him and I mean, working out and even like going to church and reading self-help books and listening to my K-Love Christian music, or I'm constantly working on myself. And I think, I think like self-help books, like I, I love, I love them. And that's why I've learned a lot over the years. And so a lot of that stuff is in my book too. Like how to not take things personally. If you're bummed about what your job is, like how to be grateful for it and mind fuck yourself to love your job. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think I, I think the way it was broken down to me is that 
you know, not like I need to stress myself out with constantly getting better, but I, it was, it was put very directly to me. Like if you're not growing, you're dying, you know, in, in turn, and it was broken down to me. If like you're not that. growing, you're what? Dying. You're dying. Oh, okay. You know, I and, said diet. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. No. And, and it was put to me like that, you know, initially just in regards to my recovery, but I started to see like, man, I kind of like learning these new things and trying new things like mm -hmm. meditation, like working out. And that's kind of my life now, you know, in terms of what I, one thing I love and my profession even. So um, l let me ask you, I mean, I'm guessing that just in the field that you're in, you were probably into fitness to, to some degree before getting sober. How do you think that, that fitness and just physical health, because I always love having this conversation. How do you think that impacts your recovery? Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, ever since like senior year in high school, I've been on a low carb diet, it's, mm. but it's such an unhealthy, really, I have such an unhealthy relationship with carbs. And, mm. and I feel like, thankfully, like I didn't go like transference into like eating, like I didn't become I, I always say like, I wish I had transference to becoming like a crazy fitness person. Right, right, yeah. um, no, I've, so I've exercising even while I was using, like I was always exercising too. Nothing, nothing okay. like insane, but yeah, because I'm on TV, like you just have to stay in shape. Yeah. But I've, I, w I mean, I would say like, if someone's getting sober and exercising is not in a part, a part of their routine, like go for a power walk, like, go yoga. I, when I got sober, that's when I got into yoga and I just, mm. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Yoga is great too. Yeah. That's something else that was introduced to me early on. So you said the last chapter of your book is all about having fun sober. I mean, I'll just tell you, like, I kind of started to feel like if I can't have fun sober, then what is the point in getting sober? Like I did, because I definitely didn't, unfortunately, you know, I, like I did see, I saw people who were happy. I wanted what those people had. I saw some people that were frigging miserable. I didn't want anything to do with that. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, man, if I can't, you know, have fun sober, then why am I even doing this deal? So I, I want to ask you, I mean, how did you kind of like figure out how to have fun sober? So it's weird because when I talked to my sober friends, like a lot of them who jumped into 12 step programs, like they started having fun immediately because they were doing okay. all of the activities. And right, right. I think if you get a, a group of sober guy friends or girlfriends and you're all going through it together, then it can be an amazing journey. But right. for me, I, I didn't know anyone. I didn't know anything really about AA or I didn't know anyone sober. Like, it was, it was such a foreign thing to me. So I was going to meetings and, and slowly learning things there. But okay. when I was eight months sober, I got pregnant with my son. And then after I had him, like a couple months later, I was accidentally pregnant <laughs> with my daughter. So my early years of sobriety were kind of focused on being a mom. So, mm. and I was married. So it, I know my story is different from like maybe the you know, average person or whatever. Cause I, I really feel that my kids are like a blessing in my, like they were very helpful because okay. they, that, yeah, that gave me a year and a half combined of time where even if I wanted to drink, like I was baking a human. So I wasn't going to. Right. Yeah. 
Um, so, but look, I remember around like year two, three, I was like, I'm never going to have fun again. Like this sucks. And I just took like 10 milligrams of Celexa. And then that feeling completely went away. <laughs> wow. Um, it's weird how that, that worked. Yeah. Uh, cause I don't know if I was like depressed or not, but, okay. um, yeah. So I'm not one of those people that's like, you can't have like a little bit of antidepressant or, or medicine or something like mm -hmm. that type of thing. Yeah. I know that people are weird about that, but like, Hey, if you're, if you're depressed or whatever, but that, that it's weird how I took that. And then that, that, that thought completely lifted. I never had that again, but then, yeah. So then I, I just started it really took me getting divorced to like have more, you know, time alone and force myself. I just became like addicted to traveling and to trying. I love weird things. Like if it's doing yoga with goats or if it's trapezing. <laughs> I still haven't done that or, yet. I want to try Or that. if it's like, you know, going in like a mud bath or I, I started loving, loving going to, to spas. Like I, when I would drink, like I hated massages. Hmm. I didn't want to waste any time doing that stuff because I just wanted to party. Yeah. So now, like I, I, I think of like going to a spa as like going to the bar, um, and then just realizing like, oh wow, I can go to. I lived in New York. Like I would go to Broadway plays, and I would. I, I just started being present. Like I love learning stuff, and I love seeing other cultures in the world. I mean, if I could travel all the time, I would, but obviously, you know, only have so many vacation days, but I, I love going to like weird, like I'm in March, I'm going to Transylvania. Oh, wow. Like, Cause it's weird. That is right? weird. I've yeah. heard it's pretty cool though. And I like, going, I went to Budapest and, um, Iceland and Cairo. Like I just like weird, I like weird places. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like going where not everyone's going. So. Yeah. Well, actually, so my wife's side of the family, her dad is from Budapest, so hopefully we'll make it there. Oh my God, it's uh, so it's so beautiful. Yeah, there. it looks it looks incredible. But yeah, I, I I mean I'm with you. I mean I think one of the things was when I was getting high that like, you know, we have all these like what some people will call high ideas, right? Like these things, like I'm gonna like invent. I've never heard. Why have I never heard that? I love yeah, that. like I'm gonna like invent this thing, right? Like this is what I'm gonna do. Like it's this great idea. We never do any of that stuff. Like none of that stuff ever gets done. And then, you know, I, I think like for a lot of us, and definitely for me, like when I got sober, I didn't have this barrier, like this wall up in my life anymore. And I could start to really do some of these things I had always talked about doing. Right, and not only doing, time. but yeah, not only doing, but like be present and, mm -hmm. and enjoy them. And, and that's what really matters because I, I think that, you know, I started to see like even some of the most enjoyable things now aren't really like what I would have thought as fun. And like some people oh. now might even think they're boring, you know? Um, oh, yeah. Well, don't you feel like you skew really old now? A little <laughs> I feel bit. like be being sober and being a mom, I sometimes I feel like I'm 80. But I, I also like there's there's no going back for me. Like I have zero interest in awesome. ever ever living that way anymore like I kind of look at it like okay I, for 15 years I I had a lot of fun mm. and I you know got into a lot of like trouble or had lots of laughs and whatnot but yeah all most most of my friends like from high school and, and college 
I'm still friends with them and I still have a great time with them and they have a great time with me, even though I'm not drinking, like I'll be the designated driver and watch them get drunk. Like that's, you know, like I, 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 and it's so freeing. Like, don't you love, like you can still show up for people, like go to their party, go to their book party or whatever. Um, and then you get to be like, okay, I'm leaving when I want to leave. Like, I'm not closing this thing down and committing all night to it anymore. Like I'm going to go home so that I can get up and work out in the morning. Yeah, exactly. No, that's so true. I think that's one of the like biggest lies that we tell ourselves early on. It's like, well, like you said, you were saying, you know, at two or three years, like I'm never going to have fun again. And I know I was telling myself like, you know, just see it, it feels like this huge thing, like this weight almost, because it's like, man, how am I going to hang out with people again? How am I going to go to parties ever again? Like, how am I ever going to enjoy any of the stuff that that I used to do without, Mm -hmm. you know, wanting or needing, you know, a substance in my body. And it is a lie. It's complete BS. You know, I mean, you can go wherever you want, you know, now Mm -hmm. early on, like I was actually telling uh, a buddy of mine yesterday, like, I didn't go to parties or any of that stuff for like a year. I didn't even talk to my best friend for like over a year. You know, I just, I had to separate myself and do things differently for a while. So, I mean, I guess I want to know, like, what is the main thing that you'd really like readers to take away from this book? I think that it is definitely work getting sober. For sure. Um, I I just wanted to touch, like, on what you just said. Yeah, yeah. If you think about it, like, say we're all at a concert Mm -hmm. or we're all at a Christmas party we're, we're all there having the same experience. So it's like, you're just there being more present and remembering it. And those people like who are drinking, like they're technically having the same experience. It's just, they might not remember it. And they're going to probably wake up and feel like shit tomorrow. Or you can't judge them if they're normies because they really can just have one or two drinks. Yeah. I mean, I know that I, I look around now and I'm like, gosh, like very few people drank the way I drank. It, it's mm. crazy. Like I, I just was out of control. And if you just look at it, like, look, I lost the privilege. My, you know, sponsor mentor early on was like, just look at it. Like you lost the privilege. Um, but, but you can, life goes on. Like you can have the message is like, you can have this rewarding, fun, purposeful life. You can help people. You can, do all of these things. You become the person that you were always meant to be when you get sober. And this was not part of my plan. Mm. And I feel like I was given this gem, this gift. And that's why I wanted to share the message. I'm not a preachy person. I'm not judgy. I don't care what anyone else does, but like, it's my give back to want to help people. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, and I do want to ask you, I mean, because you said at, I think you said you had six years sober when you kind of came out? When I out came of, out of it, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, I think, like, within a 12-step program, like, in my mind, and, and I'm, you know, I came up and, and am still involved in a 12-step program, you know, I think that's part of the 12-step, right? Like, you're, you're carrying the message, but right. why do you think, like, why is it important for you, in your mind, to be open about this i mean what like what are just your thoughts on that you know just well the thing is like my you know my last name's freel so my whole thing is like keep it freel (laughs) we got the freality show going on like 
I'm so open about everything in my life, like probably TMI on many things. And why would I keep the most important thing that I cherish a secret? Wow. Like, okay. And I control the message. Like that's true. Like I'm, it's like, I'm owning it. Like I, I just realized like, no way. Like this is really important and this is who I am. And like, I'm just going to put it out there. And then once I did, and I saw how many people either said, Oh, I, you know, I mean, everyone's just like, thank you. You're a role model. You're an inspiration. It's like, y'all, I was like getting everyone to try cocaine before right. and now, yeah. and now, yeah, let, now, let me tell you what was really going on. <laughs> and now I'm a role model. And yeah, yeah. I, I just, I think like, I think you, as you evolve, you mm -hmm. look at like, what is my give back? Like, I'm really great. I mean, I'm, I have so much gratitude. I'm so lucky. Like, what is my purpose here? And I feel like this is along with giving the news to people, which is yeah. how I make my money. Like I, I, I'm just shining. Like now look, I am not like a go to Washington and like work on legislation with opioid addiction. Like that's not my beat. Yeah. Like my, my vibe is I want to show people that I can have fun. So we have like real, the hashtag real, the fun and like sober fun. And like, I'll, I'll, when I'm in Mexico on the beach in my bathing suit, like I'll post me with my iced coffee. You know, I try to, I try to put stories out there that show like, Hey, look, I'm dancing at a club right now and I'm not wasted. Like I'm having fun and give ideas for sober fun things. Yeah. Well, you know, I think it's pretty awesome though. I know it's, it, and it's kind of a weird thing to be like recognized for, I still think it's a crazy thing. I mean, it's ironic. Like we're these like dope fiends and alcoholics basically. And now it's like, we're, you know, a beacon of light to right. like, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just, it, it's crazy. You know, I, I think about that pretty frequently, actually, how I, you know, I had to go through all of that to be introduced to this life that personally, I never could have even started to dream about, you know, I, I just, right. I, I really couldn't, but I think it's pretty awesome. Cause I'm, I'm just thinking about myself. Like, you know, I am not on a national platform like you by any means. And even when I started to like, just share, Hey, I'm in recovery. I was freaking, I was scared. Like there was so much fear wrapped up in that. But what I really like how you said everyone was, you know, really well receptive and, mm -hmm. and you know, like, man, that's, that's awesome. That I still do. That. I still do get messages and people are like, I don't understand. Like you don't have that problem anymore. So why do you wear all these sober t-shirts and why are you constantly reminding us that you were sober and stuff? Yeah. And, and I really, I think that there's just a lot of people, Haters. I think there's a lot of people out there who don't understand the concept of helping people. It's like, yeah. no, by me being out, like I'm helping people. And mm. that's why I have my own podcast. It's called keeping it real conversations on recovery. I've had like 20 some episodes air awesome. and I try to do interviews with celebrities. I've had, you know, a handful, but I gotta be honest, getting celebrities to talk about it is, is challenging, whether it's like their schedule or they're just not totally sure okay and so I'm, I'm kind of like all right i'm just gonna i'm just gonna talk with other other people about it because yeah. i i love i love talking about it and uh i've got good reception to that podcast too i i've had you know i've mentioned this like in the last couple episodes i've recorded 
you know, I'm just thinking about all the celebrities have, that have come out recently. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Jessica a, Simpson. Yeah, man. Like Lena okay. Dunham. Yeah. And it's not just like, okay, you know, some people that were in a couple movies or whatever. It's like some serious, like, well known celebrities. I think, and I've been saying this for a while. My wife thought I was just like full of crap at first. You know, it's cool to be sober now. It is cool to be sober. Like, it's the cool thing now. You know, like, Mm -hmm. let's just get real about that. Yeah. And I I find myself like one, I want to surround myself with people who motivate me, who inspire me to be like good at my career or give back and have good vibes. Like, I don't have time for energy suckers anymore. (laughs) I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. People that are kind of moving in the same direction in life. I love Mm -hmm. that. So before we wrap up here, what is one piece of advice that you'd like to share with the Sober Nation? Keep doing it. Like, if you haven't ever tried it, then just try it. I love dry January because it's like accepted now by everyone. Like, oh, you don't have to worry what other people are thinking about your drinking. Like, be like, oh, I'm doing dry dry January. And then just see, I mean, that's why rehabs are 28 days. And that's why I was set up for success because I had 28 days not drinking because I was able to see how my brain chemistry and everything was changing by not having alcohol in my system for 28 days or or all the drugs and stuff. So if you can just put together a month. And then the other thing is like, I used to worry so much about what other people were thinking about me not drinking. And I would always like try to have a drink that looked like a drink. Mm -hmm. Like most people don't care or they're not even, (laughs) they're not even looking at what you're drinking because they're focused on them. And the only people who are going to give you problems about drinking are those that have drinking problems themselves. Cause I know for me, I was always like, wait, why aren't you drinking? Are you pregnant? Are you on antibiotics? Do you have to go to work? Like I couldn't understand why people weren't drinking. And so if you just realize like, and that back to the thing about we're all having the same experience, like just enjoy the experience and know like you're going to wake up tomorrow feeling great. And and you're going to remember everything and you're going to like cherish the interactions and connections that you have with people because all of that stuff intensifies. Like, I don't feel like I started living until I got sober mm-hmm. and I was living so unconsciously before. And now like I've woken up and throw meditation into the mix and I've just like evolved onto this new, this new vibration, like with these high energy people that I want to be around and like be lifted up and, I don't know. Life's great. I feel like they talk about the pink cloud. Like I didn't have the pink cloud in the beginning. I'm on the pink cloud now. (laughs) That's awesome. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Well, that's great advice. So uh, you can find Courtney's book tonight at 10 kicking booze and breaking news on Amazon. Thank you again so much for coming on with me today, Courtney. Thanks, Jonathan. It was fun. Be sure to check out the show notes for all the info from today's episode. Sober Nation FM is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Sobriety Engine is a free online community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. This show is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle while supporting your sobriety, you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And again, whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, 
please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave us a review. Nation, thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.